Welcome to Immerse, Nourish, Release, the HANA podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Higgins, and I'm the founder of HANA, a wellness space based in Auckland, New Zealand, that provides infrared saunas, ice baths, and light therapy treatments, alongside a range of premium health and wellness beauty products. It is with great pleasure that I bring you these episodes, which have been formulated with the intention to nurture and support you on your wellness journey, no matter where you are. So let's get started. Hi Shaz, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, nice to be back in this space with you. I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded one together. Yeah, it's nice to nice to be back here. So today we are talking about the topic of the menstrual cycle and I think honing in a little bit more on ovulation specifically. And I guess I wanted to start with for you, how do you define a healthy menstrual cycle? Yeah, so a healthy menstrual cycle is one that is regular. So it's not necessarily going to be a 28-day cycle for everyone. I think the average is 28. It does range in length. For some people, it's a little bit shorter, for some a little bit longer. But having it come regularly and having a bleed, a menstrual bleed that is not too heavy, you're not having to wear two pads and period-proof underwear and you're not experiencing excruciating pain, Uh, you don't have severe PMS symptoms, your mood isn't hitting rock bottom and yeah other symptoms that a lot of women experience around PMS with you know painful engorged breasts tender breasts irritability and anger and rage and that kind of stuff so yeah those symptoms when they're severe they're not normal so there's this normalization of PMS is like oh everyone's got PMS and it's fine to lose it but it actually isn't so Yeah, I mean, you are going to feel different during the different phases of your menstrual cycle, but it's not meant to be that extreme. So yeah, looking for regularity, looking for um, length that, you know, is, is around the same length each cycle and for you and not too light, not too heavy and not severe PMS symptoms as sort of what a healthy menstrual cycle and it is you know there's a lot of talk around like the menstrual cycle is the fifth um, sixth vital sign alongside temperature and respiratory rate and blood pressure and heart rate so as a as a vital sign it's an indication of your overall health and the balance that you're in so yeah you can regard your menstrual cycle as your as a report card of your health which is something I've actually heard through um, a practitioner that I really love and respect called Lara Bryden so she she says you know your period or your menstrual cycle is is your monthly report card of your health so how you've been treating your body over the, the the duration of your cycle will determine how your your cycle manifests, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think as you touched upon it there, there are lots of things that we do say around the menstrual cycle that I guess when you hone into a little bit more, what creates a healthy menstrual cycle, maybe those stories that a lot of people talk around don't align in that way. And I know a lot of people look to their bleed specifically within their cycle to 
let them know whether they're healthy or not. But I think what would be cool today is to talk more into the ovulation part. And maybe we can just start with what is ovulation? Yeah, absolutely. So ovulation, so basically what happens is you've got two phases to your menstrual cycle. You've got the first half of your cycle, which is the follicular phase, and the second half of your cycle, which is the luteal phase. And ovulation is a mid-cycle event that happens. And basically, yeah, when you've got your menstrual bleed, which is at the start of your cycle, you've got your, you're on your period. During those days while you're bleeding, your, your hormone levels are quite low. Uh, and that signals to the pituitary gland to release follicle-stimulating hormone. Follicle-stimulating hormone recruits some follicles in your ovary to become mature and there is one dominant follicle in one of your ovaries that is destined for ovulation and basically when you experience ovulation this follicle bursts open releases an egg and that egg Despite a lot of diagrams showing that the the ovary and the fallopian tubes are connected, they're not. So you've got your ovary releases the egg that floats around in the in the fluid environment, and then you've got your fallopian tubes, which have these little fingers or fimbrae, which sweep around and move around, and basically that that egg gets drawn into the fallopian tube from there, and it may be fertilized, which may result in pregnancy, or it, it will go and rest within the uh, within the uterine uterine cavity. So, what happens when you ovulate also is that the so that ruptured follicle, the remnants of the follicle actually turn into a temporary organ called the corpus luteum, and the corpus luteum produces progesterone and progesterone is a really important hormone for fertility it it prepares the uterine lining it makes it um, an environment that is conducive to pregnancy Uh, it makes the uterine environment sticky it it allows the embryo to implant and um, but also progesterone is important for reducing inflammation it's important for regulating our mood it's important for bone health, regulating the immune system. Yeah, there's a whole host of other benefits that progesterone provides. So without ovulation, you aren't producing progesterone. So yeah, that's that's a really important part of your, the main event of your menstrual cycle is are you ovulating? And if you're not ovulating, but you're bleeding, you're, you don't have a menstrual cycle, essentially. You, you're, you're, you've got a very long follicular phase. And then you're experiencing a breakthrough bleed. And yeah, that's something that we can discuss now or we can discuss it later. But yeah, those those cycles without ovulation that a lot of women experience are called anovulatory cycles or yeah, cycles without ovulation. So there's many different causes for those. Yeah. And I mean, why? I mean, you touched on it a little bit there, but why is ovulation so important within this cycle? Well, it, it's it's what leads to the production of your uh, the, that organ that remnant of the follicle is what produces your progesterone it's what produces your estrogen for that second phase of the cycle so yeah those hormones are key to yeah but brain health bone health cardiovascular health 
mental health, fertility, reproduction, all kinds of things. Um, so that's why ovulation is so important. Is, am I answering your question there? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to cover the, all the questions and whether there was, I wondered whether there was kind of anything that, that you'd missed or whether there was anything more you wanted to talk into. One more area that progesterone is important is is progesterone um, impacts the function of your thyroid gland and that is so important for cellular energy and and every process in the body um, is dependent on thyroid function. So low progesterone can impact thyroid function um, and cognition and brain health and yeah, I think that's and breast health as well. So there's a lot of important processes that rely on progesterone. And I guess the main event that women are looking to when they are trying to reproduce, right? Is ovulation, because that's where your fertile window is, is around that period. Some women will use strips to um, that measure the surge in LH, which is luteinizing hormone, which the pituitary gland releases around 36 hours before ovulation happens there's like this peak or surge in LH that that's what uh, causes that follicle to rupture and the egg to be released so yeah if you're trying to get pregnant it is it's good to get to know your cycle get to know its length get to know whether you're ovulating when you're ovulating and that kind of thing is really important and one of the best ways to do that is through cycle charting or menstrual cycle, basal body temperature charting and cervical mucus measurements or charting as well are really helpful to aid someone who is on a fertility journey or trying, you know, preconception journey, trying to get pregnant. Yeah, and I wonder whether that's a good gateway into what you mentioned, the cycles without ovulation, because this was something that actually personally I wasn't aware of until I started tracking my own cycle a few years ago and noticing when it yeah it was coming up as an an ovulatory cycle for me and I didn't I hadn't even heard that term before so I wondered whether you could explain what that type of cycle looks like if you're having those yeah yeah so if you're having an ovulatory cycles often the length will be shorter than 21 days or it'll be a longer cycle essentially you're not you don't have that luteal phase but you have a an extended follicular phase the bleed that you have on an anovulatory cycle may be longer than seven days so when you menstruate it's it's longer and then when you if you're charting your cycle when you ovulate, you will notice that your temperature rises around 0.3 to 0.5 degrees around that mid-cycle. And that's because your body started to produce progesterone, which causes your, it impacts your thyroid function, which raises your basal body temperature. So basically, with ovulation, you notice this kind of rise in temperature that is sustained and should be sustained over about 10 to 14 days. But if you're not ovulate not ovulating, then you won't get that rise in temperature. Your your temperature will remain kind of around the same throughout the duration of your cycle. So um, anovulatory cycles are quite common. A lot of women experience them sporadically. 
some of the main causes of anovulatory cycles are polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a whole topic on its own, which we won't get into in depth. But, you know, there are a collection of symptoms that occur when you have PCOS. It's not just that you have cysts in your ovaries when you have an ultrasound scan. There are there are blood markers that indicate you might have PCOS, like a, an, an androgen excess, like high testosterone or blood sugar regulation issues and that kind of thing. So that's something that you want to explore with the support of a naturopath if, if it is PCOS. And if you have PCOS, that's not to say you're never going to ovulate. There are ways of supporting someone with PCOS to um, have regular cycles and to ovulate, but that, that needs to be done under the guidance of someone who is experienced and experienced in women's health, naturopathy or a functional medical doctor that specializes in women's health. But yeah, the other, you know, other causes of anovulatory cycles, cycles without ovulation, um, include something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is common in female athletes or women that are dieting, not eating enough, so under-eating um, or not eating enough carbohydrates specifically can, can lead to hypothalamic amenorrhea, over-exercising and chronic, high chronic stress can trigger this um, response in your body where, yeah, basically because you're in that starvation, your body will switch off ovulation to kind of protect you in a way. Yeah, and then the other big one with anovulatory cycles is if you are on hormonal contraception, so on the oral contraceptive pill, the combined oral contraceptive pill or other form of hormonal contraception that also suppresses ovulation. So like I said before, I think, yeah, when you're, when you're on the pill and you're bleeding, you're not necessarily, that's not necessarily a menstrual bleed or you don't necessarily have a menstrual or ovulatory cycle. It may just be that you're having breakthrough bleeds. So the issue with that is that you're not getting the many benefits of ovulation, which unfortunately when you go on the pill, a lot of GPs don't actually tell you about all the side effects and also the the fact that you're not going to ovulate and you're not going to get the benefits of progesterone being produced and estrogen being produced at that level so yeah it's very key to our health and this topic of the oral contraceptive pill I know has been one that has been definitely within the rise on social platforms and there's a lot more people desiring to be educated around this now potentially having been on it for a long time themselves without understanding what their menstrual cycle even was or how the pill affects that. I wonder whether you could deepen into that discussion potentially of like what happens when you have been on the pill and then maybe that journey of coming off the pill, some of those things that can come with coming off the pill in order to get a healthy cycle back. Yeah, so it, it does depend on which pill you're on. If it's an it's a combined oral contraceptive where you're receiving synthetic estrogen and sy- synthetic um, progesterone or progestin, what that's doing is it's suppressing ovulation so that when you have sex, you're, you're not fertilizing an egg because there is no egg being released. Over a long 
period of time, if you're on the pill for many, many years, some women I've worked with that have been on the pill for 10 or 15 years, you've had 10 to 15 years of no ovulation and the impact that that has on areas of the brain, there's a high link to um, depression being on the oral contraceptive pill because it affects the brain volume in certain areas of the brain. Um, it affects bone health or bone density. So you may have a redu reduced bone density. That might be something to explore. It affects cardiovascular health. And also when you're on the pill, you are becoming deficient in a range of different nutrients. So long term, the impact that that's going to have is not ideal. Like you, there are B vitamins and zinc and other nutrients that become deplete when you're on the oral contraceptive pill. So yeah, the, those are areas that need to be managed if you come off the pill. Uh, working on building up your nutrient stores that have become depleted over time, working on supporting ovulation with nutrients, but also with, yeah, managing stress and, yeah, just having a healthy lifestyle, I think, and also supporting the elimination pathways or the drainage pathways, the detox pathways to rid the body of those synthetic hormones that have built up over time yeah there's a lot you can do to navigate that or support someone who's yeah come off the pill and they want to regulate their cycles but one one issue a lot of women who are prone to acne or maybe some women that aren't prone to acne also may experience is post-pill acne um which is part of that post-pill pcos um picture where there's an androgen excess or the body starts to when you come off the pill it stimulates the ovaries and then they start they start to produce more testosterone than what your body is used to which triggers acne so then also coming off the pill if acne becomes an issue then there are ways to support your skin health and again through that drainage pathways through boosting certain nutrients in the diet, supplementation with things like broccoli sprout powder to clear uh, excess hormones or excess estrogen and um, help to clear testosterone as well. And yeah, I think that's a whole topic on its own anyway, but um, definitely I, I always recommend working with someone if you are coming off the pill to help to regulate your hormones and everything else and healthy hormone balance what can we do to support that we can eat enough so eating a good amount of protein a palm-sized portion of protein with every main meal we can regulate our blood sugars by having protein and healthy fats with every meal avoiding refined sugar avoiding refined grains that cause these spikes in insulin and create these hormonal imbalances boosting the nutrient density of our diet to include the b group vitamins and zinc and um, other cofactors for hormone production 
and avoiding a fat-free diet because without fats you don't have cholesterol without cholesterol you're not producing your sex hormones your body needs cholesterol to produce estrogen progesterone dhea and all the other sex hormones so healthy fats are really crucial to a healthy um, hormone balance so i love the cruciferous family vegetables including broccoli Brussels sprouts, cauliflower and cabbage, um, they contain certain phytonutrients that support the clearance of estrogen and its metabolites um, from the body, making sure you're adequately hydrated to aid the elimination of toxins via bowel movements and through the kidneys, and um, enough fiber in the diet for healthy elimination and movement and sweating if you're at the stage where you feel good to do that kind of sweat exercise is is really great for getting rid of toxins and supporting lymphatic drainage uh, and also stress is a huge one when it comes to our hormones so um, not only finding practices that help you regulate your nervous system, but also identifying the areas in your life that need a tweak in order to uh, reduce your workload or reduce your allostatic load or your, yeah, the cumulative burden of stress. So whether it's um, delegating tasks to someone else, whether it's taking time for yourself, saying no, that kind of stuff, which I've talked about a little bit in the, in another chat that we had about stress so yeah I think those are the main ones diet lifestyle reducing your exposure to toxins especially the endocrine disrupting ones uh, that you find in plastics and personal care products I think those are really important ways to um, modifiable factors yeah we have and we have some amazing past um, journal blogs and also podcast episodes on a lot of those topics that you just touched upon so I think if anyone from listening to this chat specifically on the menstrual cycle and ovulation is keen to then hear more about those areas that can support that healthy hormone balance I'll link a few of our past episodes and journal blogs in the footnotes for you guys to head over to I think one was the stress one you mentioned and also the where toxins hide episode was an amazing one to learn a lot about what can affect your hormone health and I guess what I wanted to round on for you Shaz within this episode because there's just I think there's been a lot of really like key information to guide people towards like what a healthy menstrual cycle looks like and how to support ovulation if you were to have to pick one one area that you would start with if you're on this journey of um, healthy ovulation and healthy cycle, I know I always do this to you, but if you could just pick one area to start with, what would that be? If I'm understanding the question correctly, I think um, if you're on this journey, I would start to get to know your cycle and to start chart- charting your cycle. I would, that's where I would start is whether you download one of those cycle tracking apps on your phone or whether you download a sheet where you can record what's going on, what's happening for you. And from the start of your next menstrual cycle, so day one of your cycle is the first day of your period. 
start to note down what you're noticing um symptoms whether your mood is is different um energy levels observing your cervical mucus changes if you're comfortable doing so um noting down the different consistencies of your cervical mucus throughout the course of your cycle and then if if you want to take it a little a step deeper start basal body temperature charting which is first thing in the morning same time every morning you have to do this um, for it to be accurate before getting out of bed before moving just place your thermometer under your tongue measure your oral basal body temperature and note that down on your chart and a basal body thermometer is essentially a, a thermometer but with one extra decimal point of detail so they're available at local pharmacies and online and they're not too expensive so yeah having that and then identifying am I ovulating and if I'm ovulating is my temperature rise sustained during the second half of the cycle is it is it maintained at that higher level for at least 10 days or does it go up and then it kind of you've got a few days of high temperature and then it drops down again because that that's a great indication of um if you know your progesterone is not being produced at the at the level or not sustained and what could be going on for you in terms of hormonal imbalances or if you're having fertility issues or um, if you're spotting before your your bleed that you know that gives you clues there so yeah charting is where I would start um, and then in terms of what you can do to regulate your hormones it changes every time I think my response to this question but probably today I feel like saying focus on a nutrient dense whole food based diet introduce some nutrient dense foods into your diet and then slowly start taking away the, the things that are nutrient deplete and processed and refined and not the best. I guess I just wanted to add in there are obviously like heaps of different um, places where you can start that journey of tracking your cycle and we haven't mentioned any of those but on a personal note I've used natural cycles for the last three years and it it's been amazing because they send you the the thermometer that you need to use and they have an app, but that one is paid. And I'm aware there's probably free apps as well that you can use that do a similar thing. Like you mentioned, and you can just buy yourself that thermometer. Um, are there any other kind of resources that you've used yourself, Shaz, within that? Yeah. Also, if you want to get to know your what your menstrual cycle is and what it means, I would highly recommend looking into the work of Lara Bryden. Um, and she's got an incredible manual called the period repair manual, uh, which is like a Bible for those, um, for even for me, I refer to it almost, I mean, weekly, daily, (laughs) um, it's got great information in there. And yeah, I think one of the apps that a lot of my clients use is the flow app. Um, there's also Kindara. There's many, many of them available. The only thing I would I would just mention is that if you're not comfortable with your information being collected, then don't use an app and just use a paper chart. Um, Because I have heard of these apps feeding back into Google and then you're getting ads for like period proof underwear and menstrual cups and chocolate around 
when you're due for your period, which is, I find a little bit invasive personally. I've never used an app. I've only done it on paper because I don't like that. Um, I don't like that side of those apps, but yeah, I guess whatever you're comfortable with and finding one that works for you. Yeah. There are plenty of free ones out there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Shaz. That was amazing. And I know that it will help a lot of people who are navigating that journey of understanding their cycle better. And yeah, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you so much.